it's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in a week. We were doing that at UNM. Like last night, we ran into Edward and Melissa. We ran into uh, Leonard. Uh, we saw Larry from Hope You See. And it's so cool just to be like in a public scene and seeing people you recognize from church. It's just, it kind of gives you that little power boost of like, hey, this is cool. This is a good vibe. We're doing something good here. And so speaking on the terms of power, um, I shared this illustration with the youth last week or two weeks ago. But everyone who has a cell phone, we all have cell phones in here, smartphones. Everyone's got a smartphone. Um, these phones can connect you to people across the world. They can, uh, you can make million-dollar deals on these phones. You can love on people. You can hate on people. Uh, you can look things up. I mean, the world is at your fingertips with this phone, right? With me? If this phone does not get connected to a power source tonight, if I don't charge this phone up, tomorrow morning it's nothing more than a paperweight. And I would like to submit to you guys this morning that our lives, our spiritual lives are just like that. That if we don't connect to our power source daily, we become dead and worthless. And we need to plug in daily, and that's what church is, that's what seeing people, little power boosts when you're at UNM, the pit, and you're seeing people, those are little power boosts that get you kind of excited. But daily, how often you charge your phone? Every night. All right, that is how our spiritual lives have to be. We need to plug into our power source so that we can connect to those around us. Amen? You guys follow? All right. Now, the only reason, not the only reason that I'm up here, but the second reason I'm up here besides encouragement is we need money. The youth group, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to be a part of a miracle. And last year we had taken, I think it was... 30 kids or so um, to this camp. We're going to Dallas. This is um, Christ for the Nation's camp. We're going to be going on uh, June 16th. But we've got kids. I got kids that don't have jobs. I got kids that are 15 years old that don't know how they're going to come up with 450 bucks. But let me just tell you guys, last year we had, um, we had people delivered just from uh, sexual identity bondage, um, suicidal thoughts, seizures. I mean, God, when we go to this camp... God moves. And the young generation, guys, is the next generation we have to really steward because they're going to be the ones that are taking care of us when we're older, right? So I want a good Christian man taking care of me when I'm in my wheelchair. But this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for you guys to really be a part of a miracle and change somebody's life. This is not going by someone on the street and throwing them five bucks. Okay, this is a life-changing experience. And you guys can attach your name to that. Okay, you get bonus points in heaven. It's good stuff. So um, we're going to start our fundraisers, not this week, but next week. We're going to start selling, you know, Frito pies and nachos, um, just kind of small things in the, in the um, that place, the coffee bar. Uh, we'll be selling just kind of little things that will be kind of on a donation basis, so you can pay 20 bucks for a hot dog. That would be awesome. Um, we're also going to be, and this is your real opportunity, our real moneymaker last year was when we had people hosting dinners, okay? So if you guys, if this is something that you want to do, just come see me afterwards, and I'll explain it. But I'm going to use my mom as an example. My mom's going to host a dinner. She invites four people over. Two kids come, do all the cooking and cleaning for her, and they have a nice dinner. And then the four people that are coming there, you guys kind of donate and support. You're getting a meal out of it. You're going to get a nice meal. This isn't a burger and a you know chip kind of a meal. You're going to get a nice, you know, decent dinner. Uh, you're going to be catered and served, uh, waited on hand and foot. My mom's inviting 20 people. So we're going to have a party at our house, and we just want you guys to come. We want you guys to support the youth. Be a part of this because this is going to be a movement, guys. God's doing things in our youth group. You guys don't see it because it's on Friday nights and it's late. But God is doing something major within our youth, guys. We're getting kids from all different kind of backgrounds. We had probably 50 kids in here on Friday and look at the back, I mean, you do the math. Not all of them come to this church. We're pulling kids from the community and bringing them here. This is a safe place, and I want you guys, give you guys the opportunity to be a part of what's getting ready to happen. Amen? You guys excited this morning? This is how we go on Friday nights. Let's take up our offering.
I got to check my notes, make sure I don't miss anything. Amen, amen. Father, we are just uh, so glad just to be in your presence this morning, Father. We thank you that we just, um, God, are just in a church that just, that just supports and wants to thrive and just build this community up, God. We just pray, Father, that as we take up our offering, you would bless those that give, bless those that can't give, Father. You know our hearts. God, I just ask that um, for those that have unspoken prayer requests, Father, you just would see us and see our hearts in our quiet places and just hear us, Father. We ask that uh, you would just be with us in our service, God. We ask that you would show up and that today would not just be a regular Sunday, God, but we leave here changed more different than we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the Light and Mission Viejo. If you are new to our church, please visit our Welcome Center, where you will receive a gift bag and a mug. March Madness. Mexico Missions is doing a March Madness fundraiser. All month, we will be collecting clothing, toys, bedding, shoes, and household goods. We are working with savers who will pay us by the pound for all that we collect. You may drop off these items here at the church office as soon as possible. SoulCon Challenge The SoulCon Challenge is a six-week Special Forces Challenge for Christian men. The SoulCon men will meet every Tuesday at 6.30 in the conference room. This challenge is designed to help men go from Al Bundy lifestyle to one like Chris Kyle. Men who are longing to be in the battle and will go through the training to be used by God in this war for souls. This challenge would push men to be their best for Jesus with the purpose of sharing the gospel in every area of their lives. Young Family Small Group Are you stuck in a rut? Our Young Family Small Group has begun a five-part series titled Unstuck by Francis Chan. This series is designed to help guide you out of the ruts and pitfalls that so often ensnares all. Our Young Families Group meets Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. If you have any questions about this study, please leave a message for James or Cassandra Delgado at 92-2080. Women's Ministry we will be having a monthly women's brunch on Saturday, March the 23rd at 10 a.m. Our special guest speaker, Mercy Ellery, will be visiting us from Passion Church, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Can't wait to see you all there. Men of Iron. Men of Iron will be hosting a men's conference in Rio Dosa, New Mexico on April 4th through 6th. This will take place at Rio Dosa Convention Center. To register for this event, Get online at www.moiconf.com. Homeless Ministry. We want to thank all those who helped prepare and serve food for the homeless ministry. You are greatly appreciated. If you need your yearly contribution letter, please contact our secretary, Michelle Hadamia. And as always, thank you for joining us at The Light at Mission Viejo. We hope you enjoy the service. Well, praise the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Pastor Ron has a great message for us. Peace, righteousness, and a right mind. But before he comes and gives us that message, I'd like to open us in prayer. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. O oh, gracious and heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be in your presence, Lord. We are so thankful, Lord, that you have a word to deliver us to, to us today, Lord God. We come with our hearts ready, prepared, Lord God, like good soil for you to speak into our hearts, Lord God, changing our lives. We thank you for our pastor, Lord God, and for the anointing you've placed on him, Lord. We just pray that your spirit would just flow through him, Lord God, in a powerful message, Lord God, that would change not only our hearts, but our community, and even go out into the world, Lord God, and bring your mind, your thought, your thoughts to this world, Lord God. We just look forward to what you have for us, and we just thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. Praise God. Thank you, Steve. Amen. Good morning. How we doing? All right, you're looking good this morning. 
So um, uh, I came across this story. I had a chance to share it a couple of days ago. You often wonder about what one person can do, how, how, how one person can impact, you know, the world. And I read this story about this guy from India. He was from, uh, his name is uh, Dashrath Manhi, and uh, he's from Bihar, India. And uh, he lived in this remote village, and um, they were isolated from, you know, goods and services by about 40 miles. He had to go around this mountain from his village, around the mountain, to get to the next larger town, and um, if you went as the crow would fly, it was only just a few miles. And uh, his wife was coming down that mountain trail and uh, bringing water that she had to travel, you know, daily to bring water, and she slipped off the side of the trail, injured herself, and uh, she ended up uh, dying as a result of her injuries. But this guy, uh, he's called the mountain man now. But he decided that he was going to take it up on himself to cut a swath through this mountain. And uh, he, he had a job. He worked every day. But after work, uh, he got the idea that, you know, he was going to take up cutting the swath through the mountain. He sold a few goats and chickens and bought a hammer. Listen to this. He bought a hammer and a chisel. And every day after work, he would uh, begin to cut this swath, 30 foot wide, and um, guys, go to that slide if you would, please. He started in, uh, I think there's another one as well, there you go, look at that. He started in 1960, 1960, he begins chipping away every day with a hammer and a chisel after work, chipping away. The townspeople said, you're nuts, you're crazy, this is never going to happen, you're wasting your time. He worked 1961, 1962, 1963, every day after work, a hammer and a chisel chipping away. And then you fast forward a couple of decades, 1980, 1981, 1982, 1982, he finished. One man with a hammer and a chisel. Isn't that an amazing story? I'm going to just tell you guys that, you know, there are going to be things in our life that no one will help you with. It's just between you and God. You know, you're going to have to work on this by yourself. But if you continue to chip away every day, just a little chip, working faithfully, I mean, you're going to cut a swath that's going to bless the world. Amen? I mean, David was all by himself when he went out and faced that giant, but it changed the nation. I'm going to just tell you that God can use people just like you and me to change the nation. Amen? All right, hallelujah. So I just believe that this morning that, um, you know, that some of us show up, that we've got problems that need to be solved, we've got burdens that need to be lifted, we have sin that needs to be forgiven, and if you feel like that, if you come in under any of those circumstances, I'm going to tell you, you came to the right place today, because God's here, amen? So I want to just share this story, uh, a familiar story to all of us out of uh, Luke chapter 8. Uh, and in Luke chapter 8, we all know this story uh, of the Gad what we call the Gadarene demoniac. And um, it's a long passage of Scripture, but God's Word is always good. And so uh, I want to just read this to you. It says that they sailed. This is Jesus and the disciples. And they, on the way over, they've already come through the, just the verses before, just to bring you up to speed. The verses before, they were on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I was there just a Last year, almost about this time, Jason and I were there. We were on the Sea of Galilee. But um, they were on the shore, on the western shore, and Jesus said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. Let's cross the lake. And um, on the way over, the Bible says that a storm came up, a great storm. And uh, it says that the water and the waves was coming into the boat and that the boat almost sank as a result of this. And Jesus was asleep in the boat. And the disciples woke up Jesus and said, you know, don't you care? We're getting ready to die. Don't you care that we're perishing? And then he, 
makes just this, you know, incredible statement. You know, he says, where is your faith? And so you might be thinking today, what does that mean? I mean, why, what does that have to do with the waves coming in, the boat, the wind blowing, the waves huge, the sky dark, you know, lightning and thunder, all of this mighty storm going on. What is he saying that has to do with what's happening? Where is your faith? And let me just remind you that what he said in the beginning, he said, we're right here. He said, let's go to the other side of the lake. So if Jesus said to you, let's go to the other side of the lake, there's nothing that's going to stop you from getting to the other side of the lake. I don't care what kind of storm comes up. I don't care what kind of circumstances come in your life. There is nothing that's going to hinder you from doing what Jesus said. So the disciples, you know, when he's saying, where is your faith? He's already said to them, we're going to the other side of the lake. Come hell or high water, we're going to the other side of the lake. All right? All right. So when Jesus says to you, we're going to do something that, you know, when, you're, when you get saved, there's nothing going to steal your salvation. When Jesus says that he's going to heal your sickness, there's nothing going to rob you of what Jesus has said that's going to happen. You know, all of these doubts, the wind and wave will come into our lives, and we will begin to doubt the Word of God. We'll begin to doubt what the Lord said. But nothing is going to change what he says from happening. Amen? Let's just give God a shout. That's a good place to shout to God. All right, so they get to the other side of the lake, and this is what they encounter. It said they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, and, uh, which is across the lake of the Galilee. And when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. From a, for a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he lived in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? And just kind of interesting, just a thought to ponder there. How did they know that Jesus was the son of the most high God when his disciples hadn't recognized it yet and many of the religious leaders in that town had not recognized it yet, but these demons recognized that Jesus is the son of the most high God? I'm going to tell you how they knew because they were in heaven when God and Jesus cast them out of heaven. They were cast out of heaven. They recognized that Jesus was the Son of the Most High God. And then they said, I beg you, don't torture me. Jesus, they're, uh, they're speaking to Jesus. These demons are speaking to Jesus. And uh, Jesus has commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he broke his chains and had been driven by demons into a solitary place. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And the man responded by saying, Legion, Jesus is speaking to the demons, not necessarily to the man. And he said, Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. You'll remember that Mary Magdalene had seven demons that were cast out of her. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. A large herd of pigs was feeding there in the, on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs rather than going to the abyss. So the abyss, they must have understood, was a terrible place, not a place that you would want to go to. And so they begged Jesus to let them go into the this herd of pigs, and he gave them permission. Now, just check this out. You got demons praying to Jesus. Demons praying to Jesus to go into the pigs and not into the, the abyss, and Jesus granted their request. It says that when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down a steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And those that were tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out of, sitting at the feet of Jesus, dressed and in his right mind. I want you to just, I'm going to pause right there. I want to just, you to focus on that. 
when this man came to Jesus after he was delivered, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, he's dressed, and he's in his right mind. We'll come back to that as well in just a moment. And the town people were afraid. They weren't rejoicing. This is a lunatic running through the hillsides, living in the tombs, slashing and cutting himself, bound with chains that he was able to break. And um, instead of rejoicing about this man's deliverance, it says that they were afraid. And those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. And then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. This is the second prayer. First of all, the demons prayed that Jesus would not allow them to go into the abyss, but rather that he would grant them permission to go into the pigs. The second prayer is the people of that area asked Jesus, probably one of the saddest prayers in the Bible, Jesus, we want you to leave us. We don't want you here. We don't want you in this town. And it says the people of the region asked him to leave because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and he left. And it says, and the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. Here's the third prayer that was prayed that day. So the man, two of those prayers were answered, by the way. The prayer to the, the demons prayer was answered, and the prayer from the townspeople was answered that Jesus departed from them. But the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. So he had two prayers that were answered, one prayer that wasn't answered. The man's prayer wasn't answered. He wanted to be a disciple. He wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, no, I want you to go back home and tell the people of your town. Start with your family first. Begin with your family. Go home, tell your family what Jesus has done for you. And then tell the townspeople what Jesus has done for you. Let me just back up just a moment before I get into that. The legions ask, the legion or the demons ask uh, Jesus not to allow them to go into the abyss. Let me just, uh, the abyss, we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, but a couple of weeks ago, by the way, I want to thank Edward for sharing last week. We were out of town. Thank you, Edward. Good job. Uh, the abyss is a lot like uh, Hades. Remember we talked about the rich man and Lazarus and how the rich man was in Hades and uh, the uh, poor man Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. Uh, Hades uh, is a place for the departed souls of unbelievers. The abyss is the place, the holding place for demons until judgment comes. This is what the abyss is. Let me give you an example of it. Uh, found in the book of Revelation. He says, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the abyss, and locked it, and sealed it. And so, during the what's called the millennial reign, at the end of the age, at the end of the, at the, end of the world as we know it, there's going to be a thousand-year millennial reign. But before that millennial reign begins, God gathers. Now, you know, you know that um, the false prophet, this is in Revelation chapter 20, by the way, and the false prophet and uh, um, the um, Antichrist have already been thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is different. The lake of fire is eternal the abyss is temporary. It's like a prison for the ungodly or fallen spirits. And so uh, we see here that the uh, Satan has been, for this thousand-year period, that Satan has been bound and he's cast into the abyss. He's bound there. And then we read uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 20 as well, it says, when a thousand years is over, Satan will be released from the abyss or from his prison, and he will go out and deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and gather them for battle. In uh, number, they are like the sand of the seashore. They march across the width of the earth, surround the camp of God's people, the city he loves. What is that? What is the city that he loves? 
Jerusalem. There you go, church. Come on. It says, but fire came down from heaven. Now, so at the end of the age, Satan's going to be released out of the abyss. He's going to be released for a short time. He gathers men and women to raise up another fight, his last chance to fight against Jesus and God himself. It says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning fire where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tor tormented day and night forever and ever. So, I mean, that is the end of Satan's reign at the end of that thousand-year period. Now, let me just go back to this, uh, these three points that uh, we see. And I, I want to just say that each of us, I believe that we can identify, because our lives kind of parallel the Gadarene demoniac, which he's called, and it says that he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Uh, the Bible says that um, we read here, the people went out to see what had happened when they came to Jesus. They found the man from whom the demons had been gone sitting at Jesus' feet. So that brings up another, just kind of another parallel story that we see in uh, also uh, recorded in the book, book of Luke chapter 10. It says, and Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, and they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, and her sister Mary, listen to this, sat at the Lord's feet listening, sat listening to what was taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing, and she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work, tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I'm going to just tell, tell you that, you know, that our lives, we go between Mary and Martha. We get real busy, and we get distracted, you know, from uh, doing God's work. And then all of a sudden we become Mary and it's just like we want to sit at the feet of Jesus. We want to receive the word of God. Kind of like Jason was talking about this morning. That's where we daily we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. We need to receive the word of God because that's what gives us our strength. It gives us life. There's life. In case you don't know it, there is life. The Bible says that there is life in the word of God. The Bible says in John chapter 6 verse 63, the word that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. So as we sit at Jesus' feet, like the gathering demoniac, just like Mary, we're receiving, we're receiving life. Listen to what the psalmist says, Psalm 119. My life is down in the dust. Anybody ever feel like that? Ever? You've been down? It's going down, down, down. You've been down. We've all been down. All right. But he said, my life is in the dust. He says he recognizes this. Man, when I am low, my life is down in the dust. And then he cries out, give me life. Give me life. God, I, here I am. I am just beat up. Uh, you know, I'm down. But he says, give me life, which is in your word. And that's the way that you'll receive it. You know what? I can give you a little bit of the word today, but when you go home, you know, you, you can't be spoon-fed anymore. you got to get into the word. You've got to get into the Word of God yourself. You've got to open up that Bible and say, Lord, give me life. Give me some life. All right? Listen to this. He says, remember my teaching and instructions. Obey them completely. They will help you live a long and prosperous life. I don't think I have. Do I have the? That's in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, by the way. So number one. This man is sitting at the, uh, at the feet of Jesus. You and I should do that daily. Number two, that he was dressed. I don't know. I don't, you, you might remember some scripture where Jesus tells the disciples, he said, I want you to go out. He said, don't take a, don't take a, a rod or a staff. Don't take you know, a suitcase. Don't take any extra clothes with you. But we see after Jesus shows up, it says that you know, this man is clothed. I don't know where the clothes came from. It's not really important, but we see that this naked person is clothed. It says that he hadn't worn clothes for a long time. You know what? I, I discovered that God is in the garment business, that God's a tailor. God is a tailor, isn't he? Remember in Genesis? In Genesis, it says when, when Adam and Eve realized that they were naked, 
they made some little fig leaves and put that together. God's like, you know what, that's not, that's not going to work. He says, it says, and the Lord made some garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. So he, he didn't want to see them naked. You know that before you and I come to Jesus, we are spiritually naked. We are spiritually naked. And he covers us. He puts a good covering on us. And then we see in Isaiah chapter 61, listen to what Isaiah says. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, and my soul shall be joyful in my God, because he has clothed me with a garment of salvation, and he has covered me with a robe of righteousness. Salvation and righteousness is what God covers us with, and it's something that you and I should be excited about. Never let that get old in your life. Never let that get old. And then, I love this one from uh, Zechariah chapter 3, and it says, because it reminds me so much. I mean, th we're talking about the high priest, and you remember in, uh, in Isaiah, when Isaiah, I think it's in chapter 6, and he has, he's having this vision, and, you know, he says, Lord, I mean, he says, I saw the Lord, and his train filled the temple and, you know, he begins to cry, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And so Isaiah, and, you know, he sees this, and then the Lord looks down, and because Isaiah is in the presence of the Lord, he says, woe to me. He says, God, I am undone. He says, I am a man. This is the prophet, the prophet of the nation. And he says, God, I am undone because you're so holy, and I am a man of unclean lips. I mean, he recognizes his sin. And he says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and, and, and my people are people of unclean lips. But listen to what, you know, something similar happens here in Zechariah. It says, and then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, okay? This is the highest position in the land. You know, you got the prophet Isaiah, but you've got the high priest, which is even higher. He says, and he showed me the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord says, you got, so you got Joshua the high priest and Satan there is just like, look at him, look at him. You see him? You see him? Isn't that what Revelation says? It says that the accuser of the brethren stands before the Lord. He's accusing them. He's accusing the believers. He's accusing you and I. And it says that I saw Satan standing at his right side and accusing him, but the Lord said, shut up. That's what he said to Satan. He said, the Lord rebuke you. That's a paraphrase of mine, and, but you can probably find that in some other translations. He said, hush, be quiet. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm, I'm, I don't want you to be accusing the high priest, you know, because I'm going to take care of his nakedness and his filthiness. It says, and Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. And the angel said to those that were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put a fine garment on you. That's what he does to you and I. He takes off our filthiness, takes off our filthiness, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness in 1 John 1, 9. He's going to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, you know, God's saying here, he says, I see Joshua the high priest, and yes, he's got dirty clothes on, but God's saying, I'm a tailor. I'm in the garment business, and I'm going to fix him up and he'll be just fine. So, hey, Satan, I don't need you to accuse him. I've got him. I got this taken care of. All right, so number one, we see, uh, you know, that uh, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, this, this man, and then he was dressed, and God dresses us. He, he changes our clothes. He puts on fine linen. The Bible says that fine linen is the clothing of the saints. And then the third thing that we see is that it says that he was in his right mind. This madman, this crazy man, running through the tombs and, you know, cutting himself and slicing himself. I'm going to just tell you, you know, guys and, you know, parents and, and young people as well, you know, we see this a lot. We see this a lot with young people, you know, that those that want to cut themselves and bring harm. Something's going on, something deep and dark is going on where, you know, young people today 
want to cut themselves. They want to take their lives. And, uh, you know, I want to just tell you that there is a spirit behind that. There's a demonic force that's behind that. You know, you've heard me say it a thousand times here that the Bible says that the thief has come to rob and to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I can just tell you that in my own life, in my own life, when, I, when life was good for me, life was absolutely perfect for me. My marriage was good. My finances were, were good. I mean, life was just good. And I wake up in the middle of the night, and I've been, I mean, I am a sound sleeper, guys. I mean, when I go to sleep, I, I could, I, you know, in those days, I go to sleep, you know, just in one position, and eight or ten hours later, I mean, I would wake up in the same position, never even rolling over in the middle of the night, just boom, when I'm out, I'm out. But this one particular night, at about two o'clock in the morning, I felt this like shaking of my chest, and I woke up, and I'm hearing this voice telling me to take my life, to take my life, and take my life right now. And, and I tell you what, I got so panicked, and I got so worried, and I didn't know what I was going to do, and I thought I was losing my mind. I thought I was going crazy, and I tried to pray, and it seemed like my prayers would go as, as far as the ceiling, and I wasn't getting through to God. Nothing was working. Prayer wasn't working, and, and I couldn't read the Word of God. It, just, you know, it was just like blank pages in front of me. There was no words. Nothing was, nothing was happening. And this went on for a period of time, and I thought, dude, you're losing your mind, and maybe you ought to have yourself committed. And I'd hear about somebody. I mean, it just seemed like often there was somebody that had taken their life, and I'd hear this whisper in my voice or in my ears saying, you're next, you're next, you're next. And daily this was taunting me and haunting me, and it was terrifying me, and I couldn't get away from it. And then I went on for a period of months, and, you know, when these things happen, especially to men, we're too embarrassed, we're too proud that we don't want to admit that we've got a problem like this. We don't want to share this with anybody because we're men. And it went on for a while, and I tried to go to people that I trusted, but nobody seemed to have an answer for me. So a lot of the answers were, just get over it. I thought, like, why didn't I think of that? You know, um, but about six months into this thing, guys, I want to just tell you that I didn't, I had not come into, in my Christian walk at that time, I knew no one that knew anything about spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is something that every one of you will have to deal with at some point in your life. Jesus had to deal with it. Peter had to deal with it. You and I will have to deal with it. And one night, this is about six months later, I open up my Bible, and I'm reading, and it's just difficult for me to read, but I just, I knew that, you know, that God was my only hope, and the Word of God was my only hope, and I, I'm reading in Luke chapter 4 about Jesus' temptation with the devil, and he was tempted in three ways, and one of those ways, you'll remember those that after this 40-day fast, the devil said, take these stones and turn them into bread. And Jesus comes back with the word of God. Jesus says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What he's saying is that you need to live by the word of God. You and I need to live by the word of God. And that's why it's important for us to know the word of God. That's why it's important for us to daily spend time at the feet of Jesus. And then the second temptation was that uh, uh, the devil says, if you'll bow down and worship me, you know, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said, you know, it's written, it is written. He goes back to the word of God. He says, it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him shall you serve. And then the other final temptation was, it says that, that Satan had led him up to the pinnacle of the temple. I'd read this many, many times not really knowing what the pinnacle of the temple was. You know, I, I'm thinking, you know, it's, a, it's like jumping, you know, the devil said, took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and said, jump, jump off. And, you know, the scripture says that you will, uh, you will not 
Uh, he will not allow you to dash your foot. And so I read it, and somehow I just stopped there, and I'm thinking, you know, jump off the pinnacle of the temple. Well, what is that, like jumping off a curb or, you know, a short wall or something like that, dashing your foot. And, uh, but I read it in the notes of my Bible. I had a Schofield Bible. I'm reading in the notes of that, and it said that the pinnacle of the temple could be between 300 and 400 feet high. 300 and 400 feet high. And Satan is telling Jesus, jump off and see if you live. He was tempting him to take his life. And when I read that, I realized, dude, you're, you're not going crazy. You're not losing your mind that the enemy is trying to get you to take your life. And so what I did was exactly what Jesus did. When that thought and that temptation came to me, I said exactly what Jesus did. I said, Satan, get away from me. You get away from me. And those of you, amen, that's a, worth a shouting and praising God for. But let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. So when I, I, I recognize now I've got a weapon, I've got a weapon against my enemy but when I said it, those of you, you'll be able to, this is the closest thing I can relate this to, is the Wizard of Oz. All right, th those of you that have seen the Wizard of Oz, remember when Dorothy took that bucket of water and she threw it on the witch? And the witch began to scream and writhe and just begin to flee away. That's exactly what happened. I tell you, I could hear these demons screaming and writhing and running and fleeing and getting away from me. And I'm going to tell you that when you are tempted or you know someone that's going through a difficult time, you just tell them, you know, about spiritual warfare, that you have a weapon in Jesus Christ. You have authority in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that the demons tremble at his name. That was true 2,000 years ago. That is true today. They still tremble at his name. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to wrap this up here in about uh, 15 or 20 minutes. No, no, I'm, I'm close. I'm close, really, I am. So he was in his right mind. The Bible says that those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set your mind on the things of the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the things of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. So this guy was in his right mind. The Bible tells us that you and I, we need to be in a right mind, in a right state of mind. The Bible says that let the Spirit change, let the Spirit change the way that you think and make you into a new person. You were created to be like God, so you must please Him and truly be holy. And then in Romans chapter 12, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing by changing the way that you think. That comes from us reading the Word of God. You read the Word of God, and you begin to embrace the Word of God. It comes into your life, and you begin to think like God, not thinking worldly thoughts. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And then the Bible tells us, and we know that, and I'm going to just tell you that I believe, and I believe you do as well, that we're living in the last days. I mean, we are living in evil and corrupt and bad times. The Bible says that in those last days, it says, but as in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. And so what was it like in the days of Noah? Well, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6 that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intent uh, of the thoughts of his heart we're only evil continually. So he says that that's the way it's going to be at the end of the age, that, that man's heart is going to be like it was in the days of, of Noah, where every thought and every imagination is constantly evil. And so we need to put a guard. We need to put a hedge around our minds, what we, what we see and what we hear, what we embrace, what we, you know, what we think in our hearts. God's saying, put a hedge about that. Guard what you look at. Guard, guard what, you, what you see and what you hear. Uh, I was just looking at some statistics 
It says that one out of every six women have been either the victim of or an attempt, attempted rape or a completed rape. One in six women. Uh, one out of, that the same is true for uh, men. One out of every 33 men have either been the victim of a rape or a, uh, attempted or a completed rape. 33% of women who are raped contemplate suicide. So you see that you've got these lingering effects. 70% of uh, rape or assault victims experience moderate to severe distress, a larger percentage than any other violent crime. Uh, those that have experienced this uh, attempted or completed rape are three times more likely to use marijuana, six times more likely to use cocaine, and 10 times more likely to use any other major drugs. And 37% of those experience either family or friend problems. It's just like socially, they just can't function because of this pain, because of this hurt. When I'm reading this, I'm thinking, you know, how many of us have looked at some drunkard or some drug addict and said, you know, something like this, why don't you get over it? Why don't you get over this problem? You know, not knowing what this individual has been through. We don't have a clue what, been, what they've been through, and sometimes people are trying to drown the pain with drugs or alcohol or even, you know, uh, with sex. I mean, all manner of sin. We use sin to cover up our pain, which only adds to more pain and guilt and shame in our life. So instead of pointing the finger at someone and telling them to get their lives right, why don't we just gently encourage them to come and sit at the feet of Jesus? In the last couple of years, we've had uh, murder almost seems to increase at the rate of about 4% a year. There were over 17,000 murders in uh, the United States alone last year. In Chicago, murder was up 765 from 468 the year before. And then we see more and more of these uh, uh, assault weapons shootings and killings from school shootings here in the United States to this recent event at Christ Church in New Zealand where 50 were killed and 34 were injured. Guys, I want to tell you, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Muslims are not our enemies. And the Hindus are not our enemies. And the Buddhists are not our enemies. Just because people believe different than you and I do does not make them our enemies. And by the way, the Democrats are not our enemies, or the Republicans are not our enemies, whichever side you're, you're on. You know, the God has told us to love one another, and he's told us, even if they were your enemies, God's told us to love your enemy. Isn't that what he tells us to do? And bless those that curse you, and pray for those that would despitefully use you. This is the heart of Jesus, not to take uh, up weapons, you know, this, uh, this uh, uh, HB 51, House Bill 51 about abortion, late-term abortion uh, was defeated just, a, you know, a couple of days ago, uh, which I know many of you prayed for. Amen. That's worth shouting for. And uh, so um, next week, I, I was able to, uh, I think uh, on Friday, uh, Roberta Cheek has asked me to, at one of uh, uh, her meetings, uh, CareNet meetings to uh, pray and just say a few words. I was there on Friday, Nina and I went. Uh, but they would like to have a, um, a, a party, worship, celebration here next week, uh, I think at 6 or 6.30, uh, 6.30, 6.30. So, so you guys plan on coming. It's going to be, you know, good food, fellowship, worship, and just a time of celebration. But, you know, we can't celebrate too much because it's not over. This fight is not over. It's still going to go on. But I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that next week. But, guys, I, I just want to tell you that, you know, the Scripture tells us that, that you and I, it says, let your good deeds so shine before men uh, that they would see, you know, these good works that you're doing, and they would glorify your Father in heaven. This is what God's called us to do. Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good deeds, and they will glorify your Father in heaven. In fact, in Revelation, it says that we were talking about clothing earlier, and uh, John is walking through, and he sees these saints with white garments on, and he says, what is this? What, what's going on here? What, why all of these people with 
these white, these white garments on, these brilliant white garments. And the angel says to him, these are the ones that white garments represents the good deeds of the saints. So that when you offer a cup of cold water or you help someone, when you teach in Sunday school, uh, when you, you know, call up someone to encourage them, uh, and guys, you know, we need to do it. You need to do it while that individual is alive. I, we just experienced a situation where we were talking about seeing a family member in our own family, and uh, we kept talking about, you know, we should go see them, we should go see them. And uh, I sent a birthday wish to him a couple of days ago, and his daughter said that she's been in the hospital for about four weeks, and it didn't look good. And within 24 hours, I got word that he had passed away before we could get down. I'm going to just tell you that we don't know. Time is short. Make every opportunity of the time that's giving us. We don't really, we don't know how much time any of us have, but use the time that you have. Jesus said there are 24 hours in the day, and he says, walk while you have the light because darkness is coming. And I'm telling you that we all need to walk while we have the light. Amen? All right, so guys, I want to, I want you to stand and pray. I want to pray with you. And, uh, want, uh, you know, our prayer ministers, if you guys will come up and, you know, I'm going to close with prayer and uh, release you. But if you want to come up and uh, you feel like you need to get prayer, our prayer ministers will be here. And just using, you know, this gathering as our example this morning, you know, if, if you feel like you've been isolated, you know, it says that, you know, he was, he was right thinking, he was dressed, he was in his right mind, and he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, if you feel like you're lacking in any of those areas, you feel like you haven't been spending enough time with the Lord, and somehow you got in a rut and you don't know how to get back, I want to encourage you to just come up and pray with someone. If you feel like that, you know, maybe your thoughts have not been the purest and cleanest of thoughts and you want somebody to pray with you about renewing, you know, the spirit of your mind, you can just come up. Maybe you've got somebody that you want to pray for. Maybe someone you love uh, does not know the Lord. You want to pray for their salvation. You know, I just believe that, you know, that prayer works. We know that prayer works. And we've seen, I was talking to Gigi this morning who said that she had had a good report from the doctor, you know, had her checkup, and uh, we want to rejoice with her. Others that have had prayers uh, answered, we rejoice with you as well. But, um, you know, just don't, don't leave without, you know, coming up for prayer if you need prayer. So please join me. Father, we want to just say that we love you. We thank you for your word, Father, that, uh, God, we thank you that you were able to renew the spirit of our mind, that you were able to create in us a clean heart, renew a right spirit within us, Lord. You can cleanse us clothe us with a robe of righteousness just like you clothe the gathering demoniac and lord we don't want to be so busy that we don't have time to sit at your feet we pray that you'd help us to adjust our schedule so we always have time that we can love you with all of our heart with all of our soul all of our strength and all of our mind we ask these things father in the name of your son jesus and god's people said amen let's just lift up a shout of joy to our god amen he is a good god God bless you guys. If you need prayer, come up. Our worship team's going to worship. We want to pray with you. Love you guys.